0: Welcome to the Dwell Church Sermon Archive. Dwell is a family defined by the love of God and committed to giving it away. Here is this week's message Good morning, everyone. Glad you're here this morning at Dwell. Today we are talking about choices, important choices. And I know you're like, but we just heard the verses and I thought they were about houses and foundations and sand. We're going to get to that. First, we need to talk about choices. And we are all pretty much experts at making choices in our lives, right? Actually, when I was thinking about choices, I was thinking about those old choose-your-own-adventure books. If you didn't read those growing up, you really missed out. It would be like a normal action book, but at the end of each chapter, you got to make the decision based on the very limited story information you had been given so far, what the main character would do next. And hopefully, everything would work out. Most of the time, it wouldn't, and the character would meet their end in one of a thousand terrible ways. Like one actual example of a choice from one of the books is option A, decide to join the space circus entertainers, Or option B, decide to throw your luck in with the caravan. And the consequences. There was actually a whole blog site I found called You Chose Wrong that collected the best of the bad endings with everything from dying as a result of the explosion of a mechanical dog to getting shot by a sniper, to getting eaten by aliens, falling off a cliff, or getting shot by a space laser. Great stuff. All for kids. This then led me to think about what would life be like if it was like one of those old choose your own adventure books. Probably, fortunately, it's mostly not like that at all. I think though the closest you can get in life to that is possibly living in a foreign country where you don't speak the language at all. Think about it. Very little background. Basing most decisions off of context, clues, and little else. Every choice could possibly end in your imminent demise, just like the books. My choose-your-own-adventure, then, would have to be the time that I lived in China. Did I speak the language? No. Did I know anyone? Not really. Was it an adventure? Most definitely. Like, for instance, there was this time that I was going to visit my college roommate who lived in Hong Kong. I was living in a city outside Shanghai, and we were planning to meet up for the holiday and I was going to fly to Hong Kong. I had bought my ticket online and was getting everything ready to go, and that is when the real own adventure began. First decision, flight is early in the morning. I could choose either option A, take the afternoon bus the day before into Shanghai and stay close to the airport, or B, Get up in the middle of the night and just figure it out from there. We're going with option B, people. Next choice, I could either A, call a legitimate taxi service and schedule a ride in advance, or B, go out in the middle of the street in the middle of the night and flag down one of the unofficial black taxi cabs and see how things go. We're going with option B again. Again, guys. It was fine. Got up. Found the uh, unmarked black car. Guy seemed all right. Didn't understand what he was saying. But you know, everyone universally understands airports. It was great. It was a few hours' drive. I even took a nap on the way. Anyways, a few hours later, I arrived at the airport. An airport, a place with planes, something like that. All fine, all great. I had like an hour to get to my flight. Perfect timing. Go to look at the flights. Just one problem. My flight wasn't there. Um, Not a big deal. It seemed a little odd, but it's a choose-your-own-adventure after all. Turns out there are actually two airports in Shanghai, one on each side of the city. My flight just so happened to be the other airport about an hour away. It was great. Look, eventually I made it to Hong Kong. Eventually I made it met up with my friend, and eventually most of kind of worked out in a kind of sort of fine way in the end. Sure, looking back now, hindsight being twenty-twenty and all, it was all kind of a little silly and a little foolish. And there was a better way that I just didn't choose to take that could have gotten me where I needed to be a lot faster and in a much safer way. But when you think about it, what really went wrong with my choose-your-own-adventure, though? Hold that thought. We'll get back to it. First, we need to talk about foundations. And that takes us to Matthew seven twenty-four 24-29. This is the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel. And if you've been with us, we've spent the last several weeks going through various teachings of Jesus. And we reach the end here. And now Jesus wants us to make a choice about all the teachings he has just laid out for us. He wants us to decide whether we will hear and do what he says. Or whether we just hear it and just kind of go about our lives without paying much attention to it. Jesus presents this choice in an allegory of two builders building houses. One wise builder building on the rock, and one foolish building on sand. This allegory is important because in it, Jesus leaves us with an understanding of why his teaching matters, and why we should listen and apply what he says. We need to ask ourselves, why the Sermon on the Mount? Why does any of his teaching matter at all? If all we need to do is believe in Jesus and go spend eternity with him. This teaching matters because our lives, here and now, matter. The purpose of Jesus' teaching here and throughout the Sermon on the Mount is evident from this allegory of the two builders, and it is this. Jesus' teaching is meant to provide a firm foundation to build our existence upon, not just in an eternity to come, but also in this life here and now. You see... Jesus' ministry wasn't just focused on saving people to an eternal life. He was also concerned with people learning to live life on earth with an eternal perspective. That is why in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says, Behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. That is why we as humans are both body and spirit. We are not just living a life looking towards eternity, but also living a life grounded in the physical here and now. This is why the house example is so crucial. Your life is like a house. And you can choose if you want to build a house that will withstand the trials of life and stand for eternity or one that will be destroyed destroyed by the trials of life and laid in ruins for eternity. In this house is both your own life and your legacy you create and leave behind. It is wise to build on a lasting foundation that will provide a sustaining impact in this life and beyond. We can see this play out this this choice we are being invited to take by Jesus by going back through the passage verse by verse beginning in Matthew 7 24 and 25 it says everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock From this, we need to understand that the words of Jesus, if listened to, applied, and followed, give life and shelter that sustain through the ups and downs of life. There's a temporal, momentary, and lasting, eternal element to the storms of life that affect our house, our life. If we listen to Jesus' words and apply them, we build a foundation that can sustain us so that we can be assured to stay on the path that leads to the narrow gate, as Matt discussed last week, and ultimately build a lasting legacy. In contrast, though, there is another choice, described in verses 26 and 27, which says this, And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Hearing but not listening is the most foolish course of action. Refusing an offer so sure can only lead to destruction. This mirrors what it says in the book of James about looking at ourselves in the mirror and just walking away. In James 1, 22 through 25, it says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Here we need to understand that just hearing the words of Jesus and just momentarily seeing the truth of ourselves without any consistent application and follow-up is foolish, fleeting, and ultimately leads to our own downfall. Additionally, we need to understand it is the storms of life that expose the truth of one's foundation. In stable times, any, almost any foundation will suffice in the short term. In times of chaos and upheaval, though, only the surest of foundations will remain. Someone can keep up the appearance of leaving a good life for a long time, but eventually, one day, either here or here, On earth or in eternity, the truth will be exposed. Furthermore, a key element here that we need to point out is that from the outside, there is no difference between these two houses. They look the same, and for the majority of life, they can mostly get by the same. The difference, though, comes in whether they can withstand difficulties and trials and whether their legacy will endure. This difference is only evidence in the foundation that they are rooted in and only exposed when storms and tribulations come. Jesus' message is consistent. As we saw last week with the idea of the wolves in the sheep's clothes, outward appearances can be deceiving. It's what is on the inside that matters and makes the eternal difference. This is the lesson we are to take away, that of everything, we need to be focused on the hard work of applying Jesus' teachings to our own thoughts, actions, and beliefs. So that we don't just look the part, but we live the part. Just like the good and bad tree from last week with the good and bad fruit, from the outside, both look the same. But the inner substance is the key difference. So right, we have choices. We can build a foundation on the rock, or we can build our house on sand. This seems a pretty easy choice, to be honest. And after all, we already established we are all pretty much experts in making choices for ourselves. I think, though, in reality, this choice, like everything with Jesus, is a little more nuanced than it first seems. It's kind of like ogres and onions. It has layers. How, though, why isn't this an easy choice? Why wouldn't we all just be this wise builder? First, I think uh, we need to understand that for the most part, I don't think anyone is going out there and intentionally on a conscious level building a house on sand most no one intentionally builds a house on sand but the circumstances of life oftentimes make sand our default choice it just happens right that's just how life goes we all were once just reading reading our own choose your own adventure books in elementary school and then All of a sudden, we're getting lost in unmarked taxi cabs in China and missing flights and making a mess of things. It just kind of happens. But what happened? Life. It just kept going, and we kept going with it. We wanted the beautiful ending for ourselves, but little by little, small choice after small choice along the way, we just kind of settled for something that would mostly kind of work in a kind of sort of fine way in the end. Jesus actually talks about this challenge of us dealing with life a few times. We're jumping a little ahead, but I think the foolish man that builds on the sand has a lot in common with the seeds that fail to take root that Jesus talks about in the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. The first seed fell along the path, the second fell on rocky ground, and the third fell among thorns for different reasons all three failed to take root the evil one stealing away the desire of one seed the one seed who has enthusiasm initially but faces tribulation and just falls away because it's easier and the one seed whose desire is choked out by the cares of the world life for one reason or another comes along and Distractions grow and somehow it just becomes easier to settle for the sand because after all, on the outside, who would really know? When it comes to your house, no one. Not really. Not right away at least. Secondly, I think uh, choosing the foundation on the solid rock means that we have to take some initiative and start digging deep and dealing with the real challenges in our life. To find the rock, we have to dig. And the digging is often going to be hard. I did some very cursory research on soil types as classified for excavation and building things. There are apparently four classifications, solid rock, type A, type B, and type C which essentially just goes from the most stable to the least stable, or goes from the most cohesive and compact of materials to the least cohesive, which, like sand, just falls apart. Of these, apparently stable rock is the most uncommon and difficult to find. So the majority of time, you're dealing with one of the other three types. Would you want to guess what the most common type is? In most areas, it's type C, or you would assume it's type C if you don't know and you want to build a house. See, the problem here isn't that you don't want to build a house on rock. It's that to find the rock, it's going to take a bit of digging, and you might run into some dead ends. You might hit a few snags here and there. You might have trials and tribulations. You might have to face... Some of your own doubts and fears and insecurities before you even start putting up any walls. It's not that we don't want the rock. It's just that settling for something else is much easier, especially when it's all around us. The band Switchfoot had this old song that is so relatable and really just kind of sums this up well and why so many of us end up with sand foundations. And I'm not going to sing it. Sorry. Um, But it goes like this. Nothing but a chemical in my head. It's nothing but laziness. Because I don't want to read the book. I'll watch the movie. Because it's not me. It's just like everybody else my age. I think I'd rather play around and I Think I'd rather watch TV because I don't want to face my fears. I'll watch the movie. It's not me. I'm just like everybody else. Listen, we all look at this choice and we say, yes, I want to choose to be the wise man that builds on the rock. That's easy. In reality, though, this is difficult because we might have to face ourselves in it. We might have to do the hard work of facing our fears and shortcomings and the insecurities that make up our natural foundations and actually do something with them. Wouldn't it just be easier to just put up a house on whatever we have now and not worry about it? Thirdly, I think too often we don't choose the foundation of stone Because we are trusting in the wrong authority. Too often we end up trusting in authority that tells us that sand is good enough. In verse 28 and 29, it says, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority, and not as their scribes. Ultimately, It's the authority of the speaker that lays the groundwork for a lasting foundation. We then should ask, what authority are we listening to and following? Maybe the authority is other religious or political leaders that are trying to pull us towards their ways and beliefs for their own reasonings. Or the authority is a job or a career or a group of people that we think are pretty cool. I think probably, though, we are really honest with ourselves, the authority we listen to most is ourselves. I think also probably if we were honest, the one voice that is the most inconsistent and incohesive and ever shifting as sand is also ourselves. It kind of goes back to a little to my own choose your own adventure story. What did go wrong there? In that story, I wanted the foundation of stone, the right outcome. I wanted to achieve the objective of getting to Hong Kong safely and without issue. In my story, though, as in many of ours throughout our lives, our circumstances made us settle. It was easy for me not to make better plans and not map out my trip in advance and just assume that everything would work out and rest on the authority of myself for making the best decisions. In the end, that was a failure. And it wasn't that my intentions weren't good, because they were. It was because it was easier to settle, to trust my own intuition, and to not do the hard work of applying a better authority to plan out the road ahead. As another example, it's kind of like the movie Encanto which, if you have kids, you have probably seen a million times by now. If you don't have kids, you might not have seen it at all, but you probably shouldn't, because it's great. It's uh, worth checking out. It's a story about a house that's not really about a house, but about something much more important. It's kind of made for what we're talking about today. You see, three of the most important characters in the story are Maribel, the central character, who seems to lack anything of a special gift except the too often undervalued gift of perception. Then there's Bruno, Bruno, but we don't talk about Bruno, obviously. And then there's Abuela, the matriarch, the authority. Then, of course, there's the rest of the family who are just going about their lives. The catalyst for the story Is that the foundation of the house, which represents the lives of the family and their legacy, has cracks in it that is threatening to bring it all down. Bruno sees the possibilities of the future, and he understands that both bad and good things are going to happen. They're part of life, but recognizes the reality of bad things is difficult for his family to accept. So instead of Presenting the reality of both bad and good, Bruno hides away in the walls of the house. Instead of preparing for the bad, he settles for making temporary fixes as the cracks in the foundation appear. Instead of confronting the foundation problems, he settles for trying to prop up the family's belief that everything is fine and always will be fine. Abuela is really the central figure in the story in many ways. She also, if you watch closely, in many ways mirrors the foolish builder who builds on sand. That's not to say she doesn't mean well, because I think she does, or that she's a bad or entirely unwise character, because I don't think that's it either. She's not lazy nor neglectful. She's just focused on the wrong things. And she's afraid to confront her deepest fears, that she might lose her family again, which is exactly what is happening by ignoring the cracks in the foundation. It is Maribel, though, who is the wise builder, who tends to the foundation and seeks to confront the fears and the bad that her family is neglecting and to build a stronger foundation for years to come. You see, it's a story about a house that's not really about a house that teaches us a little bit about what Jesus is teaching us here. Again, we have been studying the Sermon on the Mount for the last several weeks, and now we have reached the end and we have come to the point of the invitation where Jesus' audience, where we are invited to do more than just listen, Over this week and last week, we've seen Jesus lay out for us two choices for us to take. Two gates, one wide, one narrow. Two trees, one good, one bad. And here now, two houses, one with a strong foundation and one without. What then are we to make of this? First, I think we should understand that the choices we have are few. We like to think that there are many options in life, and in a way, there are. You can be a doctor or a librarian. You can eat cornflakes for breakfast or eggs. Or you you can make choices big and small every second of every day. What I think Jesus is inviting us to understand here, though, is that the most important decision in life really only has two options. The way of Christ... Or the way of settling for the world's way, our own way. The narrow way that few find, or the wide path to destruction based on our own authority. Secondly, I think we are to understand that we have a unique agency in the story we all come to tell. Jesus doesn't force us to follow him. He invites us to trust and believe, to follow and apply his teachings. This isn't to say that we are all the same or we start the same or have the same opportunities or misfortunes, because we don't. And the reality is that some of us might have more good things come our way, have more better opportunities than others, and some might have less in spite of our best efforts. Ultimately, though, no matter our lot or station in life, we all have the same basic choice. And we all have the power to choose for ourselves. You might not feel like you have control over much in your life. But at a minimum, you have control over this. What is the lens through which you will interact with what comes your way? Are you going to bring the teachings of Jesus to the things you interact with in life? Or are you going to rest in your own authority and understanding? With the things and options in life, will you choose to make choices based on Jesus' teachings and the way of sacrifice and service, or will you choose to make choices based on your own preferences and immediate wants, desires, and needs? Maybe, as a test, even start with this very series. Maybe through this series of teachings on the Sermon on the Mount, you have been challenged and convicted on one Sunday or another. Perhaps you felt convicted that you might have an anger problem that is negatively affecting your relationships. You heard the sermon on anger and you felt convicted to do something about it, to hear and apply, but now it's been a few weeks and you haven't thought about it in a while. Or maybe it was the passage on judging others or on lust or on being anxious about your future and your daily provision. Maybe you heard those messages and read those words of Jesus, and you felt you needed to dig a little deeper and start working on your foundation. But then Monday morning came, and then Tuesday, and then distractions came little by little. And not that you didn't have good intentions, because you did, but because of the small... Of this small thing and a million small things since, you just haven't thought about it again. Maybe now this morning though is a new opportunity, a new invitation to take another look at yourself in the mirror, to see yourself and not look away and forget about it. A chance to make a note for yourself to review and apply, to take stock and perhaps even reread some of the Sermon on the Mount and start thinking, how do I start applying this in concrete ways, starting today and continuing on in tomorrow, and then the next day and the day after that? See, Jesus' words are just as relevant today as they were yesterday. And today's the best day to start making a choice that will fe- affect all your tomorrows. In the end, then, what is the one thing that we should take away from all of this? What have I to give you today? If nothing else, it's for you to take away this. With your time and with your energy and with your seconds and your days, build a house. In building, though, focus most on the foundation. In that, listen to the words of Jesus. And find out what they say to you specifically. Not just once, but every day, over and over and over again. Building and maintaining a foundation isn't just a one-time thing. It's a daily digging deep into the essence of your very being. And applying the teachings of Jesus to the most difficult places inside each one of us. So set about building a foundation that lasts for all eternity. Thanks for listening. We hope it brought you closer to Jesus and more in touch with the world around you. Being a Christian in today's culture can be hard. Fortunately, he gives us the gift of community through his church. So we would love to invite you to join us for one of our Sunday morning gatherings or for one of our weekly small groups. All the details you need can be found on our website, dwelldenver.org